You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Yeah, you're right. This one might have to be quick. <laughs> Let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. All right. Thank you so much for being here. It is great to be with you again this Saturday. And my mic sounds very weird, and I don't know why. My headphones, I move my headphones. It's all messed up. Today we're going to be talking about tech tips, tech tips with Harry, and uh, you know, just moving forward. And it's going to be quite the show. Lots of interruptions, I think. Not for me this time, although that'll happen too. All right, stay tuned. Worst intro ever. Warning: This show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, before we start, I want to thank all of the members of Wall Plus, as you are the reason the show and network exist, and you can support the show by visiting joinwallplus.com and help support the We Are Libertarians network. It costs a lot of money to run a network of the size of We Are Libertarians. You know, the, I mean, Remzo and On the Run and Brian Nichols and Trisha, they don't pay anything to be on here. I'm a terrible businessman. It's all funded by you at our, in our Patreon, Join Wall Plus. It's okay. That sound is not picking up. Uh, I'll explain that in a moment. Join Wall Plus, W-A-L Plus.com. Uh, thank you, especially to our $100 a month members. John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Dell, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. You cannot imagine how much we appreciate your support right now. It has been a, uh, as we talked about last week, you know, it's, where do we go from here? We're trying to figure that out. That's what we're going to talk about today. And, um, but I want to start with reading a nice note. Uh, Let me introduce Harry first, Harry and Reinhold. Harry, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Harry and I, um, you know, my girlfriend worked overnight last night, and so my executive producer is watching Toy Story and eating strawberries. Uh, so hopefully that that placates her. Harry's wife is gone, so his executive producer is watching uh, something else. So if you hear any knocking from producers trying to interrupt, that's that's what's going on today. Uh, and so Reinhold is also here. Reinhold, how are you? I'm doing well. My executive producer is watching Twilight yeah. in the other room. Everybody, all, all of our uh, significant others are napping. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so that being said, I want to start with a great sweet note um, from a, a, a new fan, it sounds like. Uh, her name is Grace Grace uh, wrote on Facebook, uh, I, privately, I wasn't going to see it, I added her, thankfully, and that's how I saw this, but 
I, I want you to hear this. If you were on her Facebook and one of her friends, would you subscribe to our show based on this recommendation? And this is what I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what channels. We are only streaming to Twitch today because we cannot stream to Facebook and YouTube. We can't use those platforms because if we continue to use them, uh, then we are going to lose those channels. So you have to self-censor yourself and not use the asset that you spent years building. Um, and so the best way to market the show, and that, and in effect, you lose hundreds of thousands of impressions a month advertising your network. Uh, and so the only way really forward to undercut that is for people to pick up the slack and start recommending the We Are Libertarians podcast network shows like the Chris Spangle Show to their friends. And this was a great one from Grace. She writes, Chris Spangle, it is highly unlikely that you're actually going to see this, but here's your shout out. The Chris Spangle Show has been a huge inspiration to me and my libertarian views. I have reposted some of his episodes before and highly encourage everyone to give his show a listen. He does a great job doing a wide variety of shows and explaining different viewpoints. Because of his show, I learned about School of Choice, and which, after further research, fully support if done correctly. The knowledge I've gained through his show and his co-host exceeds any expectations I could have had. Facebook is trying to cancel the We Are Libertarians Network and Chris, which is truly upsetting. The education he provides on different subjects is so intriguing and important. His platform is so unique, and you don't have to be a libertarian to gain knowledge on what his platform provides. If anything, hearing a different point of viewpoint helps you expand your knowledge base, even if, at a minimum, all you do is research what subject his show is talking about. I know most of you likely roll your eyes when I post libertarian stuff, but this one is close to my heart, so give his podcast a shot before you dismiss it. Don't give up, Chris. You are loved, and your supporters are backing you, and I thank you so much, Grace. Notes like that mean a lot to all of us. You know, sent that. I reposted it, sent it to all of the, the 22 people in our chat, and that lists all of our spirits and uh, helps, continue, uh, helps us continue on. I mean... Nice comments are a great value here. If you get value out of this, we just ask you to do two things to give value back to our hard work. One, share with your friends the shows. Share your show. Share how much you enjoy it like Grace just did. That's a great note. Second, join wallplus.com. Help financially support us. Uh, There's probably going to be, I mean, who knows what Harry is coming up with today. Uh, we're, we're We're bringing back... Tech Tips with Harry, where he gives us just the tip of tech. And because Harry's not, Harry's very deep. Harry can go deep with his knowledge of, of tech. And so he gets confusing and sometimes a little scary. Uh, and so we, we, we ask Harry just to give us the tip because we can't handle all of it. Okay, we really need Harry to to talk. To, I when he, he said, I said, what are we doing this Saturday? And he said, Big word this, big word that, big word this. And I said, I need you to explain to me like I'm a five-year-old. Obviously, I understand everything Harry's talking about, but I need him to treat me like I'm a child for the benefit of all of you. You know, I just, I, being super intelligent is hard, uh, but uh, when you're talking to other people. But Harry, what were the words you used? Because I don't know what we're talking about today. Oh, just talk about like we could bring up uh, like alternatives and how why those alternatives like using like federated code on uh, different o- um, options 
going over PGP encryption, th- those little things. Like See, that. that's why we need See? the tip. We can't go that deep. you got to explain this to people who don't know what federated code. I'm thinking you're talking <laughs> about Star Trek. Happy birthday to uh, James T. Kirk, by the way, this past week. Um, okay, so... You know, when we talked last week, uh, now listen, um, we we should be talking about, oh, I don't know, the quote-unquote crisis at the border, as if it's a crisis. Okay, propaganda. Always watch your propagandistic words. We could be talking about the the mass shootings returning. Um, But listen, I would highly encourage you, uh, we could be talking about... Uh, what else? I mean, there's there's a few things that have gone on this week, but let me be honest with you. We have done fantastic shows in the past on the the migrant issue at the border. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode where we use 200 different sources to break down why this is happening, what is happening. This happens every spring as people come from the the winter. Winter opens up and it's safer to move. We will talk about it in the future again. But basically what we said in that show applies now. Not It, it doesn't matter that a different guy is in the White House. I mean, you look at the pictures that were leaked by Axios of Biden's camps. They're better because they're not sleeping in their own filth, but they're still the same buildings in the same cages. So go back and listen to that episode if you want, want to. And on mass shootings, we've done several episodes on that. I think – Focusing on guns is, um, it seems like a solution that is obvious, but once you get into gun confiscation and red flag laws, it's not just the immorality of violating the Second Amendment, it's also the utilitarianism of trying to collect hundreds of millions of guns. It just doesn't work, and it doesn't solve the underlying problem. There's 600 people in this country a year killed by people getting punched. 600 knife deaths and 300 gun you know i mean it's by, by ar rifles like the underlying problem is what we touched on last week it is the lack of community it is the lack of opportunity it is men checking out and going into uh communities that that push them into further bad places like there there are several episodes on that too so if you want to you want to hear what we think about some of that stuff um it just seems reinhold that it's repetitive, Harry. When we've talked about these things, we've done shows on them, and it's just kind of like we could do it again, and we'll do it again, and I'm sure we will. But it's it's sad that we have the same issues keep popping up. There's never a solution. It's discouraging, and it's you know when you're trying to craft content, it's like, all right, ditto. Here's the show from two yeah, years we could ago. Just take the week off and do a rerun <laughs> of the shows we've already done. Just give them the new number and. Do an intro and then here you go. Same thing. You literally could just take you, Harry. The migrant episode that we did, we could literally just go in and dub every time we say Trump, just dub it. Go Biden. Biden. Yeah, just (laughs) do it really, really obvious, (laughs) just so so that everybody knows Mm -hmm. what we're doing. Biden. Mike Kamala Harris. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's evergreen. Yeah. It's the tragic evergreen content that we created. You know, it's know. like this should just be one and done, but no, it's evergreen. Apparently just keep really, Well, it's part of the keep. problem too, is that we cover a topic so in depth and, and completely mm-hmm. that we really can't revisit it because there's nothing really more to add. We've already done it. We've already said everything there's to say about it. Yeah, I mean, part. some of the episodes like we've done on, on mass shootings and suicide and, male disconnection specifically um 
you know, some of that stuff really holds up and went back and kind of listened to it. And I, I'd love for people to go back through our catalog of material, go, go look at past episodes and, and find some stuff where we've talked about some of this, these things in the past. I mean, I'm sure that once we revisit it, um, but, you know, on mass shooting specifically, there are a couple books that, that I would totally recommend. Um, Why Young Men, I think is a really important, I think it's, um, I can't remember the author's name. It starts with a J. I think it's a double J first and last name. And uh, it's it's a really interesting book on like why young men kind of fall into terrorist cells or gangs. Uh, in a lot of ways, what you see in those patterns are very similar to what you see in the alt-right pipelines uh, and the online gangs that are basically formed. You you have an entire generation of men that are that are um, frankly not living up to their best <laughs> and and have abilities to check out and then blame other people for their problems. And how do we how do we start pulling people out of that? It's it's job opportunities. It's self care. It's um, you know, having strong family units, it's, uh, work is just key. I mean, there, there's another, so that's the other book that I would, um, I, I need to, it's by Nicholas Eberstadt. Um, but the book is very short. Uh, these are two very easy reads. Um, and the book is men without work. Uh, and so that was in 2016 when that came out. And, you also saw the chart um, maybe this week of basically sex has like this hockey stick chart of uh, a lack of sex since 2008. And I'll see if I can pull this up um, really quickly to show it to you. And I think that shows a troubling sign in interpersonal relationships for young men, especially uh, and that is something that um, here while I while I do this I'll, I'll scroll I'll show you share my screen with you so you can see this. Uh, by the way, this is this is the cages that Biden has. If you're watching our our Twitch stream here, um, and then this is a good example of why the We Are Libertarians group kept getting struck down. Like this is a Photoshop picture of Mister Rogers and the the um, what's his name. Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, crocodile the crocodile guy. And and the t-shirt, don't forget the t-shirt, yeah, Bob the, Ross. The Bob Ross, good vibes only t-shirt. It's all photoshopped, and Facebook hit this photo with an altered photo warning. Independent fact checkers show that this is not a real photo. And our group kept getting strikes like that. So, like, what do you do when, when something that, it, it, it's just really ludicrous how... Um, how many strikes we kept getting um yeah go check out my twitter by the way uh i'd also ask hey people i'd love for you to check out uh if i muted on your channel somebody was telling me that their uh that my twitter account was automatically muted on their account by twitter so check and see if i'm muted and let me know if that's happening maybe it's just a you know he hit the button because he was drunk on twitter one night um but the the person that that posted this chart said, you know, young male virginity on the rise and said, do you still think podcasts are harmless? So the chart is share of men under 30 who report zero female sex partners since they turned 18. Uh, and it hovers around from 89 to 2008, around seven, eight percent. And then by 2018, it's 27 percent. 
and I just think, guys, that this is an indication that libertarianism is on the rise. <laughs> so, and the the chart basically stays static for women at eighteen percent. Um, thank you, honey. Uh, but the um, now when Trisha and I talked about this last night on Ginger Archie, uh, she's like, "This isn't necessarily a bad thing," and I was like, "No, but it." probably isn't voluntary and it shows you a 20 percent increase in what's called the incel community uh and in what that chart shows me is uh that that men there's a great book that changed my life and it is called at the time it was called mate and now it's called what women want and it's by tucker max who wrote i heard i hope they serve beer in hell uh, and Jeffrey Miller, an evolutionary psychologist. And it was written as a counter to the pickup artist BS that was happening about 10 years ago. And this guy, you know, Tucker Max was a legendary swordsman. Uh, and so it was kind of a fool. It was like a double fake, basically, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn to pick up chicks from this legendary, uh, you know, womanizer, basically. And he basically writes in the book, like, this, the the way that you have healthy relationships and and pick up women is by being a good person. You need to be physically healthy. You need to be emotionally healthy. You need to not be a man child. You need to be, um, you know, have a successful career. You need to focus on the healthy aspects of your life. You know, have a religious life. Have you know? Here are the here are the traits of attractability. I've recommended it multiple times in this program because. It made me think about all the ways that I was insufficient as a mate. And it wasn't like if you if if it has come out of your mouth that oh the nice guy never wins. You need to read this book because it's you. It's not them. It's not women. It's you're the problem, right? So I'm going to be very clear about that. And I just think that if the, if we sent every person in this country that book, then they'd think about kind of all right, why am I not successful in that area? Uh and I know that Harry, you get bent out of shape um, when I mention video games. Uh, I don't blame the video game. It's not like I'm not going to blame the guns for mass shooting. I'm not going to blame the video games. But I think there is, uh, you know, internet subcultures have have increased rapidly since 2008, and people find meaning through them, but they also can find addiction through them which causes people to check out. And I, I think a lot of that is the underlying problem that we need to fix as a, as a society. And by fix, I mean, what can individuals do to think about their own personal habits and think about the people around them that may have some bad habits and work together to fix those problems. So, you know, um, we've talked a lot about this in many of those episodes, you know, right after Parkland, if you look up the date of the Parkland shooting and, we did many episodes on the response to that. Um, Harry and I, we did many, many good shows uh, in the past. Not lately, but in the past, we did many great shows uh, on a lot of complex issues. So um, I, 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 don't wanna, I don't want to ignore all of those big issues that are in the news right now because that's what we do. We break that stuff down. Um, but before we move on, if you want to chime in, both of you, go ahead. So what I want to say is I did see a very good video uh, that detailed uh, kind of what happens to someone when they are kind of sitting there questioning what's going on and starting to get on the fringe of, you know, 
starting to think things that aren't more acceptable to, to mainstream people is that their friends and the people that they have in their communities, even on, especially online, will start to kind of abandon them. They'll say, you know, I don't want to associate with this guy. He's starting to get, you know, a little crazy uh, and starting to say things I'm not too, too fond of. And so all of the people in their lives that kind of pull them back into a more sane space are no longer there. And the people who are there are the people who are farther outside of the mainstream and farther into those um, more extreme areas. And they just kind of help feed that. And then so he starts going, you know, that person might start going towards that side of things uh, more and more as more as he goes farther and farther, more people who were at the center or who were kind of on the edge will start to abandon them. Right. So that's how that pipeline works. When we talk about the pipeline, um, that that's kind of how that process goes. And I see that in our religious communities too. I see uh, more in a more positive light, but still it, it does kind of warp things when you start getting more into that area. Um, you get more benefit out of it. You start feeling better. And, and you kind of start to abandon the people who weren't part of that community. And that's how we're starting to get into all these different sub-communities and isolations and tribes and us versus them then starts happening. And uh, I think a lot of it is t- to fix it is that we need to really start stop, I don't know, just um, abandoning the people who are starting to say those things, but start to talk to them and try to pull them back in and give them a way, a rope to, to help normalize their thinking again. Yeah. I mean, that, when you that. don't have friends that are, uh, sorry, I had to drop out. We had a Peppa emergency. Uh, when you don't have friends that are your guardrails or if you yourself are not presenting guardrails for friends and challenging people, then, you need you need that in your life. You need somebody in your life. It's it's like you know why is Trump act the way that Trump acts? It's because nobody in his life goes, dude, you're being effing crazy. You know when mm-hmm. you surround yourself with people who just tell you what you want to hear, it's not good, right? It's not healthy for you. You know, and 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 we have to be on each other's team. Like I am a, I'm an individualist through and through. But as I get older and we look at some of these problems, you start to see the importance of community. You know, voluntary communities, independent communities, uh, because people are outsourcing that private, close community, in-person communities specifically, for distant communities, online communities that just feed them exactly what they need to hear. People are not going to the baseball field necessarily uh, and rubbing shoulders with their kids uh, you know, other parents of other kids. And, and, you know, when I grew up, we had a neighborhood uh, association that threw parties, right? So you'd go and you'd, you'd meet the neighbors and you'd talk politics and people had different views and different religions and different worldviews. And parents, you know, our, 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 my parents' friends were from the neighborhood. Now your parents' friends, like think about who your parents' friends are. Maybe they have some longtime friends, but, you know, I think in our generation – your friends are people that you talk to on a chat. How often have, do you get together with your friends in that chat? You know, like it was November 9th is the last time that I've seen Reinhold and Harry in person sans last Friday night. You know, so mm-hmm. we're still connected and that's great. 
but you you can't make that your whole meal. Yeah, yeah, and it, the idea of only doing that because here's the thing, right? You can have these nice relationship with people over the internet to communicate with, but yeah, it's having someone like face to face is ten times better, and it also gives you excuse to go on vacation, especially if the person that you um, hang out with online is on the other side of the freaking planet or the you know the continental U.S. You know, go hang out, want to go visit some of these people. It's it's fun. It's a great way to. It gets me gets me out of my house to go. You know. Because I hate traveling most of the time, but going to see someone I met online, heck yeah, I'll do this. This is fun. This sounds fun. But it's uh, I uh, the, the thing is, like, I do feel that sometimes that young men and um, adolescent men and young men and men in general get beat on a whole bunch. Uh, in society, so I wince every time any type of category of men should do this, men should do this, men are doing this, men are like it's it's like you know my first I, I honestly my first reaction is just like going to defensive and going like okay what's your stick what's your which what's your wrangle what are you trying to tell me that I'm doing wrong <laughs> or what are these yeah but why do you wrong? have that reaction because they're not talking about you you're doing everything uh, right why and this is this is like a function of the right specifically that that i see a lot of it's like when people start talking about racists i don't get all pissed off because i'm not a racist they're not talking to me they're not talking about me you know like you're you're the you're an example that you know a a, a big reason why you're on this show is because mm -hmm. you're a great example to me you're a great friend you're a community leader you know, mm -hmm. you're you're a great dad. You're a great husband. You're financially stable. You have good jobs. Like you're you worked on your education, and got your degree while you were working a few years ago. Like they're not talking to you. Why you are know, you? Why do you? Why do you get all bent out of shape? I don't. It's not bent out of shape. The more thing is, I just start trying to lead with on the answers to because there's so many grifters and other people who will try to understand that there's an issue here, there because there is issues there, but they'll use it to push the either an ideology or try to grift and make money off. Gotcha. It. You don't like other. You don't like the, manipulation. Correct. It's right. the snake oil salesman that does that. That so and there's so many of them. It's, it's that's why like okay defenses are up you know it's the same defense it's the same type of social engineering defense that comes up when anytime someone's willing to rush me or trying to rush me all my red flags go up and I immediately s slow down like fifty percent you know yeah. because if you're rushing me there's something wrong <laughs> right which is also good good social engineering tech I'm telling you right now the if someone is probably trying to manipulate you if they're trying to rush you and it comes out of nowhere just slow down yeah find out what's going on no there's a lot of people who have a lot of solutions online and there's a lot of these types like i listen to i'd love everybody to go listen to uh it's it's donald miller's podcast it was story brand now it's like making business simple or business simple or something and they just had john lee dumas on who is the entrepreneur on fire guy mm -hmm. and you know I'd never like to put people down, but I think I'm making a societal critique about a certain industry, which is my industry. Um, so I apologize if if John or any of his fans are listening. But like, you listen to that podcast, and here's a guy who works like five days a month, who spends most of his time. He makes like a hundred thousand dollars a month teaching people podcasting and being an entrepreneur, and his business is selling 
courses on how you can sell, set up a business, how you can build audience, right? Um, and I'm sort of in that business. If you go to leadersandlegends.net or podcastingandplatforms.com, like I'm eventually going to start teaching people how we built this platform, right? Um, but I'm, I make it like very clear, and maybe I'm a terrible businessman. Like I said, like this is a hobby for a long time, and you need to be prepared to like it's a costly hobby <laughs> and i'm going to teach you if you want to if you want to get to where i'm at faster and not take the 15 years and 30 grand that it took me like i'll give you my knowledge in exchange for some income but like you need to be aware like you're not going to be a multimillionaire overnight right which is kind of what he's selling if you do if you buy my course then you too can live on a beach in Puerto Rico and work 5 days a month and do one day of podcasting and one day of guest hosting and one day of book writing and one day of and like he does show to show to show back to back to back you know and he doesn't do the research he doesn't really do the work it's just i'm just doing a guest thing you know i got i got a guest on not really doing a lot of paying somebody else to do the research it's just sort of soulless <laughs> You know, and uh, I want to work with people who are passionate about their their stuff. You know, I want to work with people who are passionate about their topic. And I, I when I have people on and I interview them, you know, I want to be passionate about what I'm talking about. Part of the reason that I, I'm not doing now here this, the public affairs program, uh, is one, to claw back time. Every yes that I make to somebody else is a no to uh, my family. And I just, you know, I have too many yeses to other people and too many no's to the two people that I want to spend the most time with. Um, and not for nothing, some of those yeses also are a no to this audience. And this audience is what I care about the most. And so, and I found myself doing some of these interviews for the public affairs show, and I just, I'm doing the interview to do the interview. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I spending time on something that I don't necessarily care about? But there are plenty of people who make a lot more money and build a lot more audience um, by doing soulless, passionless things. Because if you follow a formula, you can build an audience really quickly. And I'm not talking about anybody in the libertarian space, by the way, because everybody that does a libertarian podcast, like, they're passionate about what they're doing. So I don't want anybody to think I'm subtweeting anyone. I'm absolutely not. I think there's, I think the word grifter is thrown around way too much in political spaces. Um, but in the business world, in the podcast about podcasting space, there's a ton of those people that are willing to sell you bullshit. There's a million courses that are being sold now. And that is awesome because you can make a living and have. You know, like it's it's part of my future income strategy, so I can spend more time reading books to tell you all about it. Um, but you've got Harry's right. Like when it comes to the like, the, I just stumbled upon one London Rea London Real, and it's just like a course about how to be a fantastic man who you know has hard boners and tight bodies and gets all the chicks and makes millions of dollars a month and it's just like it's playing on people's expectations harry in a way that i just find is like Ugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah right the influencer That's thing on the influencer thing on instagram kind of strikes me on that that level too Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, and that's why I said, like, when you are starting tacking like young men, like I said, like, there's like, like, yeah, you can easily find these 
these people on every little social media platform, the um, FaceTube and, you know, the other things that they're, they're, they're everywhere. And it's, and it's cause it's, it's the same group of people that does like the infomercials that if you're up at 4 a.m. and you're watching TV and go, I'm going to show you how to do this. You're going to do this. You know, it's, it's the same type of people. It's just, they adapted for a different medium. So it's, we're going to be stuck with them, especially when we go to Mars. And and, so, and go to Mars or not on Elon. Musk. And I think that makes the the work harder for people. Like um, I think like Ryan Holiday is legit. I think you know Jordan Peterson is legit. They're talking to men in a well educated manner. They're trying to be socially responsible with their message. And I think it, it's frustrating when you see a you see them get tied to the the true grifters. You know yes. uh, and. That's why you got to you got to be socially responsible when you have a microphone. You've got to think about the Im- the impact that you have on the other end of the earbuds. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was um, doing some research for some topic that I'm working on, and I had to spend a lot of time on what I would call drama tube, which is basically YouTube videos about the drama that influencers have with each other and the the fights and and the doxing and the canceling and all the other stuff that goes along with it and it's like i my wife was kind of flipping through and watching shows last night and she saw one while i was cooking dinner and the whole time I'm cooking dinner it's the same story the same event has been played out for nine months them going back and forth at each other arguing about what happened at this party and it's just like dear lord how long can you talk about and fight about one thing that happened in your life a year ago yeah Stop. some people do some pe- some of it's coordinated where they will literally, oh, yeah. they will like, they'll do it, they'll talk like it's pro wrestling. Rob Kendall and I sort of have that. I respect Rob. Rob and I are friends, but we will call each other bad names on the internet as a joke. Like it's, it's, we both love pro wrestling and it's funny. But then there's, uh, there's one libertarian podcaster that I am subtweeting that like builds their back on trying to, like he, he just makes things up, like says that I called him a slave master for not believing in wokeism, which is, a phrase I have never said that has never come out of my mouth. And he does it because he wants to provoke me into fighting with him. So my audience is aware of his, of his show. It's like drama is real. People love drama. They love fights and it's easy to do. And it, you know what? It eventually becomes all consuming and what you think about and what your show becomes about. And it's not, it's great. It's entertaining. We used to do a lot of it. We used to fight amongst each other, and some of it was real. But like the strain on your personal life is just not worth it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, all right. Well, we're, we're wandering off uh, off uh, the the ranch here. So right. let's. We started get... off talking about how we weren't going to talk about this stuff. And I know spent... we always do that. I know, right? <laughs> Harry. The floor is yours. Teach us what what what. And Mike, what I said to Harry last week at the end of the show, and what I said this week, reminding him that he had to do this, is you know what's kind of the future? Where where do we build community online and how? But I, I think it's one thing that you've talked about a couple times is what we lost when we left MySpace. Um, you know what did we lose a decade ago or more 15 years ago when we we went into the social media world and left an internet age that I personally loved which was the the geocities with hyperlinks and you're going to angel fire websites and you know people are posting like 
it's, it, it, it's like as a researcher, as a person who loves to research, who loves to like you know, play with my index cards and write notes and and read five books for a topic like. I loved that era because you could go to Bartleby.com and read all these free books. And now Bartleby.com is like some website selling you, you know, Grammarly repackaged. And like, I loved that era of the internet because you could learn so much. It was like my, my, one of my prized possessions right here is a David Letterman autograph because in his website in 1994, he would, you could request an autograph uh, and have that sent to you. Um, it, that's how this was small and fun, and you you hyperlinked to different websites, and you know you, you maybe had some email, but not that wasn't really much of a thing email marketing yet. And you certainly didn't have a lot of social, but it was just yes. It's like me when I set up chrisbangle.com dot com in two thousand seven, the day after Thanksgiving, just because I was like, I want to write a blog. I want to I want to write. And I, that's how I learned to do all the stuff that I do, how I built the platform, you know, by doing it myself. But I feel as a person that, that creates online content, I have less, feel more restricted than ever before. It feels harder to post the kind of first, you know, the, the first sources or whatever. Anyways, yeah. You know, putting page view counters on your Facebook page. You know, oh, how to yeah. write HTML code. Um, so, what did we lose? How did, how did we get to a place where several companies control the internet, more or less? I mean, they don't, but they do, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, because they don't, but they actually do. You're right. We, uh, it's. I, I'm sure everyone watched the watched the documentary of their homework assignment, right? Right, 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 guys. You guys watch your. The I, I did. I did not tell me that. What was the documentary again? I'll turn it on was, right now. It was the Aaron Swartz documentary, "The Internet's Own Boy." Okay. Uh, Many people did. Fun- I saw it in the, I saw it in our uh, in our Discord channel, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is the exclusive place to see memes. Go to wearelibertarians.com, Sign up for the Discord. The it was right, so this and this is Aaron, that's Aaron Schwartz's story. Uh, Aaron uh, is one of the co-founders of uh, Reddit. Reddit. Um, he helped develop the RSS code. That's my executive producer. Probably wanting more snacks. Uh, how about if you need to pause? Then Reinhold Reinhold can tell us about the old days of the internet. If you need to take a, a, a break here, you know, back in the old days when we had dial-ups and three hundred baud modems, and I was running a bulletin board in my off my uh, spare bedroom. Yeah, that was that was the time. We still had communities then, though. I mean, we we still had social media, but it was there were communities that weren't in your face they were hard to find you had to look for them well we used i i had aol starting in 93 and then you had the the community groups and you'd go to aol's homepage, and there was directories of websites and it was a big deal to get into the aol or yahoo directory because that like made you but blogging didn't even exist yet really all right so it was that's, like that's still kind of the beginning channels. of it because like before then we had we had bbs's where you would dial into a bbs and you would share files and people got to know each other pretty well what is a bbs but, a bulletin board system. Okay. Basically, they were like isolated ISPs where you log into the, the bulletin board and then you could do certain things on there. You could uh, play a game, uh, like a door. They were called doors. 
Um, you could play a game there. You could download files. You could um, chat with people in, in like uh, IRC chat rooms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how communities were built then, but it, they were isolated. They and, and they started to connect to each other a little bit. I remember the first um, the first time I really got into having political discussions other than uh, news groups were uh, the Rhine Network, which is the Relay Internet Messaging. Some, I can't remember what the E stands for, um, but it was it was a you would you would load up a program, download all of the messages from the previous day, right? Then you could go through and respond to them and send. I want to send this message. I want to say this about this and back to other people. Then you connect back up again and it would upload them, and then those things would get pushed out like once or twice a day. So you could you could communicate with people, but it wasn't real time. It was, you know, a little delayed. Um, and then and then as soon as people started realizing that the Internet was a thing that could kind of bust this all wide open and people can communicate with each other across, you know, so much easier. That's when things started kind of snowballing. Uh, and I can let Harry take over from there, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I, my my life was running a bulletin board that was a, a game political based game that I wrote in my you know just ran it on a PC in my spare bedroom and you know that's that was my beginning so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but basically your own cloud data center but it was just sitting over the other room <laughs> yeah. yeah because it's, yeah because this generation yeah. all right so and that's what gets me because this generation right now just. Just oh, cloud, 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 cloud. They have no idea what that is. They have no idea what's going on in the underlying hardware until and, you realize that so, Akamai and Amazon control the internet. <laughs> correct and Cloudflare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and we're going back to really. I mean, if, like Harry can get into this, but when I started doing programming and computers and, and learning how the, all this stuff worked, we were on mainframes. So everybody had terminals that connected into the centralized mainframe and everything was shared up in there. It was like the cloud. We've just come back from going to client server with local PCs and everything running locally back up to a cloud like we had on the mainframe. So it's a cycle. We've been through this mm-hmm. before. So so do you think we'll cycle back to more of an open internet? Yes, I think we will. Hopefully. Hopefully. Or is... I I think we're going to have to. I mean, at at some point, the tipping point will hit, and people will start just doing their own thing again. Well, I guess let me... To put a historical lens on it, it's usually a battle between the people who have the edge, who have the uh, financial interest, who have the... uh, They want the profit versus the masses. (laughs) And... Mm -hmm. You know, right now, what I think is happening with social media is they they have a personal stake in it because, like, l- look at this. So I literally just grabbed this screenshot. Okay, so lest everybody think that this is just a a ideological thing that is happening in the world to to people who are being censored, it is not. It is. Uh, this is from the Pat Down Group. Okay. Now, this does not put this particular group, but this is new, okay? All of these removed the community violation standards. None of those, you know, two to this morning, the sixth, March 16th, March 11th, March 10th, March 9th, March 4th, March 3rd, March 3rd, March 1st, February 14th. Like, these are 
these are uh, this is new as a group owner. This has never really happened in, until after January sixth. All those violations that frequently it's happening in every group I manage on every page I manage on all my profiles. Um, it's usually memes. All those people just took a ban or they took a strike, right? The group didn't get put at a disadvantage, but those people took a strike for something that they, they innocently thought that they were posting. And so what you have is all those people now be being awoken to the fact that there is something different going on with tech. Well, what, what does that mean? Which is partly why we're doing this show. Like, because the race for the open internet is between enough people waking up and choosing something different that it forces the people who have the financial interest and the power to a- adapt or to diminish their power quickly. Do I have that accurate? Do you both agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to watch the uh, the homework assignment, um, you would get a better understanding of that too, as well. Well, I, I have many books to read. Okay, I will do my best. I will. I will try to watch it before next week. <laughs> but we, 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 I think we'll, we're going to see a return back to some of that stuff because as as cloud starts getting cheaper and cheaper mm-hmm. and writing apps becomes easier, then the open source mm-hmm. community starts really kicking into gear, and we've got open source federation servers and Mastodon and all these people are writing their own things. People are writing code now that they're writing is open source. It's not going to have any ties into it from big tech. And that stuff's going to get out there and people are going to start gravitating to it because it can be replicated and, and you can shut this down, but it, five more can pop up. It's just going to become ubiquitous. Yep. Yep. It, it, and it's, um, it's that ebb and flow. You're, I, hopefully, it's going to retract back because people are going to get upset with it, and then they're going to go, you know what? I, I remember back in the day, there's got to be something else, so we've got to – but I think you, people have to understand what they lost so they can go back to it or and learn more. To, it's All right, so the internet's owned by – why do I keep bringing up Aaron Schwartz, right? One, phenomenal guy, right? Uh he helped build Reddit, the RSS code, and most things like podcasting literally lives and dies on RSS feeds. That's how, like, uh, that's part of the tech that sends you, like, when someone when someone updates their podcast or the website, which has a podcast file and gets sent everywhere, that's RSS. Yeah, it stands for and really simple syndication. It used to, it's very, it was used to be hard and difficult to set up, but once it's set up, it freaking worked. And then what some companies have done is automated that process, right? So it's automated. So most people have these RSS feeds. They have no idea how to write one. They have uh, they have no idea how to get one set up. And they think, oh, no, I must go to Podbean. I must go to these other sites to do this thing. But it's no, 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 no. You just need something in the corner to run RSS and, and, and allow people to pick up your feed and you can push this code to it. And that's why podcasting is so powerful. And it's really, and it's been really, really hard to whack them all and put under anyone's control. That's why I love podcasting. Um, well, for now, I mean, the, what was the article the other day from the New York times? Cause they're starting to get into this stuff. They're starting to get into, Oh, the white supremacists have moved to podcasting. You're starting to see it more and more and more. I'll try to see if I can find the article and show you guys. Right. And that's why I'm saying, like, you have to learn how to do how your RSS feed is set up because you set that up. 
You know, it's a, that's a federated protocol that's on the internet and that pulls things to people. All right. But if a company set up your RSS feed, they can turn your RSS feed off any, at any moment. So oh, I mean, Apple, the, the company that we now host with, the people that bas- – because basically they have an ad server like Google Ads, so it's easy to to basically you know try to offset the cost of your podcast hosting. You run ads, right? So that's why we, right. we now – I don't choose mm-hmm. the ads. I don't sell those ads. I have somebody else. I split the revenue. Mm-hmm. But it's now owned yeah. – they, they just got bought out a couple months ago by Spotify, which mm-hmm. is like – Mm, no, it's not. They're 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 the right. Facebook of the podcasting comes. world, right? Correct. And Here so, yeah. And so, you've got this article in the New York Times on March 25th mm-hmm. on Google Podcast: A Buffet of Hate, the platform's tolerance of white supremacist, pro-Nazi, and conspiracy theory content pushes the boundaries of the medium. And I go back to 2018 when I told everyone on this podcast, "You, yes, you don't want to defend Alex Jones. You shouldn't defend Alex Jones." And what he says and what he does, okay? But you want him on these platforms because it it checks. It's the old system of moderation that Facebook had forever. If you posted an InfoWars link, your friends would gang up on you and you'd feel shame. <laughs> and so they would they would think twice about and so you you would and you'd or you'd have a discussion. Like you want Plandemic on Facebook for people to go back and forth on the facts and present their friends with arguments against Plandemic. If you take Plandemic off Facebook, it just drives people into underground echo chambers, and that that belief is never challenged. And it's the same with removing, you know, it starts with the the hackers, the sex workers, the conspiracy theorists, the what the Nazis. It's always been about this, the Skokie, Illinois Nazis and the Nazi rallies. Should you attend a Nazi rally? No. Should the Nazis have a First Amendment right to gather on the courthouse steps? Yes, because the freedom of speech is eroded around the people who are the least, who are the hardest to defend. Because when you start letting them erode the the presence of a white supremacist, let's be honest, there's probably 10 white supremacist podcasts on Google Podcasts. But once you set the precedent and build the mechanisms to remove that freedom of speech, it's then it then expands and balloons. We told you when it happened with Alex Jones, it would happen with us. It would not only happen with self censorship. Like we have, we have access to our YouTube channel, uh, although we cannot use it for the next week. But I'm not going to post on it until June 7th when that other community strike guy. I may not post on it for the rest of the year because I don't want to risk losing that long term. Right. I can't right. post on our Instagram channel. I can't post on our f- Facebook. I literally can't post on our Facebook because I'm the only admin and uh, because we have a business manager page. Basically, the the punishment for uh, a Jeff uh, for a meme from 2018 was 90 day ban for streaming and use of the business manager. Which means I lost all posting access on all of my page. They removed me as an admin on all of my pages. I lost permanently a couple pages, uh, and I just can't use, uh, do my job, or do business for for ninety days, for sixty more days at least. So, does the punishment of of not being able to do your job for ninety days really is that uh, you, you know? commiserate with a, a a post a meme of a jeffrey dahmer meme and posted two years ago like that's an overkill of a punishment and i sh- 
I saw multiple people getting banned for the same thing, right? So they just did a large AI sweep and we're just going to remove these users and their power and these pages and make these non-functional. So yes, you can go visit We Are Libertarians Podcast Network Facebook page right now, but there's nothing that's going to be posted to it. There's nothing that's going to be posted to Instagram. There's nothing that's going to be posted to YouTube because it's of self-censorship. And it is exactly the same thing that happened when I started in radio right after the Janet Jackson affair and the FCC was persecuting radio shows and stations for community guideline strikes, basically. You know, Howard Stern had a guy play a piano with his wiener and that got him like a $700,000 fine or something. Bubba the Love Sponge fake killed a pig on the air had a pig in studio, and then used some sound effects as if he was killing the pig. He didn't touch the pig. $800,000 fine, I think it was. I mean, it was a huge fine for something he didn't even do, and it basically, that's why they moved to Sirius together. Um, and so, now it's going to start with RSS feeds and podcasting and being in the... And so, I just I can't tell you how much you don't want them to remove white supremacists and pro-Nazi groups from the Google podcast space because it isn't going to stop there. They're going to move into far left, far right, centrist, anybody who has a conversation about anything that is not deemed appropriate. And mark my words, like you should have in 2018 when you all rolled your eyes at me. Oh, there's no way. You guys are not offensive. Nothing will happen. Nothing. I've, I've worked in an industry before that still after 20 years is self-censoring itself because of what happened 20 years ago mm-hmm. and this will nope. never stop with these platforms it's never going to stop it never stopped in radio and it's not going to stop with social now well never don't forget what happens when you do prohibition right people still find a way to do what they want to do yeah. you still have the dark web out there you still have all types of ways around the the people so those people aren't being silenced they're just not able to use certain platforms. That's all that's happening. And then, like you said, they're not getting checked. And there's, there's no balance against that. You're not seeing the other side of the story or the other argument in your news feed because you're not watching Facebook anymore. You're going to Parler or whatever new system that Trump's going to put up or or Medium or something else on the left. I mean, that still happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, there, I can't remember what the name of the place was on the on the on the left that people would go to a lot. Um, and, but you, you start spending your time in those communities, and you're not getting the balance. That's why, back in when I first started doing some writing um, for for a for a place called Watchblog, right? So our, that the the idea behind Watchblog was that you had on the front page, you had a column on the left. That was for Democrats. And you had a column on the right that was for Republicans. And you had a column in the middle, which was for independents and libertarians. So I was writing in the middle column. But you saw the other posts. And a lot of times we'd be talking about the same thing. It's different posts. And there was a lot of cross-conversation. People would go into others, you know, articles and, and comment. And we would and we had the rule that in any comments you had, you had to attack the message, but not the messenger. So no personal attacks were allowed, things like that. And it was heavily moderated. And it was, it was a great place to go and really make sure that you were 
balanced in your thinking and seeing what other people are thinking. Because only when you know what the people you disagree with think and why they think that way, you're not going to be able to talk to them and convince them that they're wrong. If you don't know why they think what they do or what their, what their method of coming to that belief is. Um, And then you might find it, you might have a little bit in your environment, in your thinking that is a little off and needs refinement that can be helped by people questioning you and pushing you on your thoughts and and beliefs. That's how you become stronger. That's how you become more uh, well-rounded. You understand what people are going through, you don't you don't immediately hate the people who disagree with you. You can say, I, I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with you, and here's why, and I think we should have a conversation. But you don't just go, no, you're wrong. I hate you, and you're the devil, and, you know, get out of here, you know. And that's what happens now because people aren't really being treated to that environment of, of – yeah, that's, that's what I think part of the problem with Facebook, too, is that – they started kind of doing that with the news feeds, right? They used to show things in the news feeds that would kind of balance it out. Then they started identifying, hey, this person's kind of leaning right and Republican and this kind of leading left and he's Democrat. So we're going to tailor his news feed to that. And they kind of almost created the isolation that started this whole process inside of social media of mm-hmm. isolated communities that now – we have different realities when we talk about the news and what's going on in politics. So there's actually, it's funny you say that because um, you can go and find out, uh, at least you could in 2016. I remember looking. Yeah. You can see if Facebook thinks you are a liberal or a conservative. And I remember going and this is um, from the verge. Uh, August 24th, 2016, by James Vincent via the New York Times. Does Facebook think you're a liberal or conservative? Here's how to find out. You go to Facebook Ad Preferences, click on Lifestyle and Culture tab under the Interest sections, and then there should be a section titled U.S. Politics. You can click More to see to find out. So let me remove this and try again, and we'll see what Facebook thinks I am. Uh, let's see, application window, StreamYard, share, our ad preferences. Um, okay, what do I do? I go to lifestyle and culture tab. It looks like it's different than it was in 2016. Um, shows you ad settings. Yeah, it doesn't. Used to reach you. Um, yeah, I've turned it all off. <laughs> After that article, I turned it, I turned it all off. I went and I was like, no, you guys get nothing from me. But maybe you can go and maybe there's a new way to do it. But it used, I mean, it just thought I was just Ted Cruz. <laughs> like, it, it basically was showing me every NRA, Ted Cruz, you know, and like, I mean, it's like, listen, I've, I voted for Ted Cruz in the Indiana primary in 2016. Partly because at the time I was like, ah, he's not that bad. And then Trump is bad, so I, I want to vote against him. And that primary was like the last stand between Ted and Trump. But, boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, flip a coin at that point. Yeah, I mean, 2016 Ted Cruz was not 2021 Ted Cruz. I mean, I think I think people on the left would argue they'd go, nah, he was. You just didn't see it. And all right, okay, he, you know, he's always been an opportunist, and you knew that's who he and, was. But 
in this new 2021 Ted Cruz, he's out there at the border, sitting there, yeah. you know, hunting, hunting people down. He was, he was trying to cross into Mexico illegally oh, again. I, was, I, I thought it was going to be like this, this remake of The Magnificent Seven is, you know... Not my choice of you know. All right, so Harry, great. Harry, what did we lose? What tell <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what we lost and and what what can we do about it? Besides the last fifteen minutes of our life, uh, listening to you rant. Let's see. Um, no, the one thing that uh, like I was. Thank you for coming by, Harry. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being a co-host uh, over the last few years. It's been great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyways, back where I was talking about the one thing that you, uh, I was talking about the things that you lost. The MySpace, these Angel Fire days that like Reinhold was talking about is the HTML code days. That HTML code was people were having to learn to, to get the cool designs, to get the cool stuff on your MySpace. You had to learn a little HTML. Now, granted, was there a small learning curve? Yes. But people were like sharing code pieces, going back. People were learning that, you know, I can inspect the console port to understand what the site's doing, pull things out and push things out, pull things from other places. And people were sharing things. All sites were being created for helping people to, to, you know, craft, help craft their uh, MySpace pages. And uh, then the other social networks started coming around with Facebook. It's like, no, you don't need to do any of that. It's all going to look the same. You jump into our system. Look how awesome it is. And the thing that's worrying me about these, uh, I'll get back into the podcast thing. I, I want to rant about that for a second, but you know, I want to try to get through my, uh, these notes that I read over here on the side of my page. Um, the, the other thing that we've lost was the ability to search. And also in those days, besides the HTML code, the other sites and the BBS pages was the multiple search engines. Right now, majority of people, the only search engine they go to is Google. They're like, Google just works. It's like, does it work? Or are you just getting ads and you're getting things that you, you know, you may want to have already searched for and find another search engine, but it's crafted to you because of the ads and everything else to it. So it's getting what you technically want to see. Whether it's better or not, who knows? And it's not even the world's a, largest search engine. And there's also been a lot of investigation into like certain topics. If you if you do a search on Bing and you do a search on Google, you can tell Google is filtering certain things and putting them in orders that they want you to see, not necessarily what's the best thing for what you're searching for. Correct. Yeah, you can look things up through Bing, start uh, start page, duck, duck, go, and you can get different things. And even if you turn a VPN on, which, yes, I still understand that it's been, what, three to four years since I promised to do a VPN episode and talk about VPNs. I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you can turn a VPN on and you can connect to different areas and locations – you can you also get different search results, especially if you leave the, the, the you get a VPN in a different country. You get completely uh, VPN results. It's it's and, and they use that to manipulate you to control you, and that's why the competition of all the other search engines kept Google in check in the beginning. You know, so they were always kept trying to get better, and they they found their way. The other thing I wanted to bring up was these whole thing, because I talk about it all the time, it's the federated codes. Yes, uh, per, per protocols, right? I bring it up, and yes, every time I bring it up to someone, the first thing I think of is Star Trek. I get it. I do, too, sometimes. It's fun. Federated code is... Uh, um, it's different. So what is this? Well, so what is federated code? Well, it's a quick gist. 
it's a common open protocol that allows systems to talk to one another without giving up controls. That is the simplest definition I found. I found it on Stack Overflow. And I was like, cool, that is an easy, uh, easy way to get someone to explain it without some gigantic, long, drawn-up answer. <laughs> Unless you had a different, different um, definition, right, Holm? Or, but, no, I think it works. Yeah, I mean, that would works, right? Right. Now, and, and if the, I and use the, federated the, code... The better part, too, is that it's all open source. That's really important that we remember that we keep this stuff... I mean, I, I have no problem. I, I make a living off of supporting Microsoft stuff, right? I mean, that's what I do. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Reinhold. It's been great having you as a co-host. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your contributions over the years. It's really, thank you. It was great. I don't know what's more but worried what than I was he trying to practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got it. It's all worked out. Um, but what I'm saying is that they make they make code and they proprietize their code and they make money off the code and it's fine, but there still has to be people doing open source too to right. keep this stuff in the hands of the people, right? You don't want big tech owning and running everything. They can invent things and they can push things and they can make money off of it. Great, that's fine. But there's a place for the open source too to help help make sure. As I knock things over. Um, <laughs> Just help make sure that that stuff stays in the hands of the people, and that's that's where we need the power to be. That's mm-hmm. how you re- that's how you pull back from from what we're seeing right now is right. is the people having that. So yeah. give us some. Is uh, to me, it seems like all this stuff is very like okay. I know Mastodon exists. That's a federated social network. I don't we're not know there I, yet. Uh, hold on. Okay. All right. Okay. Get there. Get there. Okay. Hold on. Continue. Please. Beep, 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 beep. All right. So yeah. Open source is great, especially, and if you do write proprietary code and you're getting ready to, I will tell you this, and you're done su- supporting your proprietary code, open source your proprietary code at the end. Just open source it. Just open source it. You know, so much projects are built on old proprietary. There's tons of old proprietary code that someone open source because they're done supporting it. And people have taken and skipped and kept things going. But list of federated codes. That's so the, the things that, we use currently even this platform right now is built off of federated code that they're put they're trying to people sandbox off after using this free stuff because they'll build their own right the main thing is like this is one piece of federated code everyone uses all the time SMTP simple mail transfer protocol right the ability to send emails to other email servers right and look at and Look at up MS records or something. This is a federated code. You use it all the time. HTTP, going to websites. That's a federated code. Um, IRC chat rooms, XMMP. You use it for the old school Facebook day. Most of the Twitch uses it. XMMPP. Uh, these are cool federated codes that keep like all kinds of chat persistent. This is the underlying. So when we talk about those alternative like Mastodon and Friendica and stuff like that, Underneath that's spreading these federated code is just giving this different UI under to point to you. So yeah, so these are these federated codes. And as you go out there and you're trying to look for these alternatives that Spangle wants to bring up, and I, I kind of brought up too, is what criteria do we really want to look for for like a better alternative? Rhino hits the head on the nose with open source. Open source is very important. Now, open source does not mean guaranteed better. What does that okay? mean? What does open source mean? Define that for people who have no technical ability whatsoever. And different, what is closed source, if there is such a thing? 
There is closed source is proprietary code. Think the Windows operating system. That's a closed source proprietary code. Uh, Apple, the Apple OS, um, Adobe Photoshop. Those are closed, closed uh, systems. Open source code, um, the, the GNU Linux license or the, uh, the GNU Linux OS. Um, there is GIMP. These, what they mean by is the source code is open. It's not locked down. You're able to use it, modify it. As long as whatever you do to it, it continues to stay open. So it's the open source license, the open source community, especially with the um, the Free Software Foundation with uh, what is it, Stallman. Yeah, Richard Stallman. Is it Richard Stallman? I'm probably butchering his name, but Stallman, yeah, the Free Software Foundation. Because a lot of people were getting computers and realizing they couldn't use these suckers because they didn't have the software for it. So the Free Software Foundation made sure you had an OS for it to even use. That's why Linux was so powerful. Right. So so Microsoft owns, you know, Windows. Apple owns mm-hmm. the Mac. But Linux is a – the code is published on something like Pastebin, whereas the code for a Facebook or uh, an – an office is not published and people don't know the underlying code because it's a secret. Correct. Yeah. Right. They keep it a secret. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't and, know and, what, what's truly it. Sorry. I know. Yeah. And companies like Microsoft have started to embrace that and they're writing applications now and giving out the source code for it. They are doing open source for some of the things that they're doing. They'll never do windows. They'll never do some things, right? They're go- That's always going to be proprietary, but inside of windows now is Linux. So there's there's a move towards that for a lot of a lot of people. Even the some of the bigger tech companies are starting to embrace it. Yeah, I see Windows so, making it, it its own Linux flavor and going more Linux here just to get more people to write things for it, and then just transfer it over to the proprietary side. So okay, so when you say sor- when you say source code, all right, like if you were to compare it to like building a house, is the source code like the the concrete foundation and the wooden structure and then there's something else like a css that is like the the you know the outside the paint you know like what when somebody gives you a source code like how what what does source code mean and what can you do with that the source code is literally is the framework that builds the thing. It depends on what type of thing we're working. So like uh, the operating system, this is the thing that talks to, that controls the drivers, it controls everything. It's the thing that operates everything afterwards. And that's more of uh, the technically the blueprints and the framework on it. So it's that piece is closed source. So it would be like, I built your house. Do not open up it. You cannot open up the walls. Matter of fact, the walls are completely impenetrable. You have no idea what's on it. Just trust me that this wood, <laughs> there's pipes going here that's running in your water. But you will never, but never open these walls up. Or if, if you have, you can, if you have a, yeah, if, if you have a pipe leak, pipe leak in those walls, we'll send out somebody to patch it for you, fix it for correct. you. You don't, don't touch it. Yeah, don't touch it. Yeah, yeah, we'll patch that. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh man, the that's why I always say like the Apple car would be terrible. You would have to go to an Apple person to fix anything. The bolts would be weird. But uh, yeah, and go to but, the Genius Bar and get your door rehung or something. Correct. Yeah. Well, a Linux house would just be like, "Yep, here's the piping. Here's your wood. You can see all this if you felt like it. Put it right back. Open it up if you want it. You want to change your pipes out? Do your different things with your pipes? You know, go ahead." Go ahead. That's a Linux house. You know, go ahead and mess with it. You know, 
you know, and a lot of people who mess with the source code inside of Linux and or add things to different Linux community. That's how these there's that's why there's so many different flavors of distros um, out there. And there's some distros that have died off that, you know, that has been awesome distros in the past, but they stop. But you can still update the underlying Linux on it, even though some things aren't supported anymore. Or this reason why I fell in love with Debian just for the simple fact that they think they had like a three almost a three year discussion about changing a wallpaper. You know, and adding it to this workflow because these type of people care about this code. It's all about the code, not that this other bull crap. No one wants to care about is right. because and, this- I don't want people to misunderstand either. There can be horrible bugs and exploits and everything else in open source. We found mm-hmm. that there was some very bad stuff in early Linux. Actually, I think it came from Unix that had been around for twenty years. And it was just a horrible, horrible, horrible exploit. And so many people had seen this code and no one realized that it was, that it was that bad. So, I mean, it, it's not a, it's not a fix for buggy code, but it also, the more people you have looking at code and writing fixes for it, the more chance you have of, of, of solving those, but you also have more of a chance of introducing some. So it, right. it's uh, kind of a double-edged sword on that. Correct. It's not a perfect solution, but it is later down the line. Open source code also allows you because if you have to change the way you have to communicate or use a different tool, the source code's there so it can be edited and re you know and recompiled and you can run with it. So if I need my Linux OS to stop transferring, you know, or just add things to the the packaging, like nope, I need Linux to now to you to com- don't communicate over the net. We're going to communicate over this ham radio operator image and send everything up this way. I can make a sitter do that. Yes, I can do it in Linux with some drivers, but I can actually put this in the source code. So it just does it naturally. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, but to me, that's a criteria for uh, alternatives because if you use proprietary code, you're stuck behind that and you just have to understand that. So it's not, it's not different, right? But it's just, just one of those things that you have to be careful about. That it also that it uses federated code. I know open source can use non-federated code, but yes, federated code. You know, so this thing can talk to other systems because you don't want to make an island. Um, that's it. You know, yes, it's fun to have small little private groups, but sometimes you want to pull in like web hooks from different chat platforms or be having to communicate to them and move things back and forth, which you use a lot with XMPP and IRC to like send things to chat rooms. So like if you had a live resistant chat like, with this thing, you could pump it out of this, out of some proprietary system and pump it to your, uh, uh, your open source system. The other criteria for alternatives, right, is hosting options. So if whatever you think of going to, they force you to use their servers that go to their centralized servers. Well, like one day they'll just turn those servers off. Okay. And, and whatever you put there, whatever's there, it's gone. You know, now granted, most sites will give you a window of time to pull things off. But if Facebook said, Hey, Tuesday at nine o'clock, 9 a.m., we're done. We're ending shop. Can you get all your photos and things that you've written and put on Facebook out by by then? No, because everyone's no. doing the same thing. And I will tell you, no, it, it 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 takes uh, two weeks. It take took two weeks for me to get all the stuff off of both my page, and then another two. It took almost a month to get all the weird libertarians memes and photos on that page backed up. Because when you do the, back- the parlor, oh yeah, I mean anything that we ever wrote on parlor is just it was gone in a day. But the, I think the problem here that I why I've always resisted it is that I don't I don't have server space in my apartment or I don't know where to do server space. I don't know how to do like 
what you do. And then there's always you feel bad if you're asking a friend who does know that stuff because everybody asks them like, you know, they're they're exhausted from fixing their grandmother's cable. So <laughs> so there, there's that that part to it, too, where it's like, yeah, some of this stuff is good, but it I resist it because, A, it's hard. And B, I don't understand anything about it. And C, I'd still be reliant on somebody else, like a friend. And so what if you get mad at the friend and and then you never talk to them again? How's that any different than Facebook just turning off? At least I have allegedly some sort of, you know, implicit or explicit contract with a company. But what you've done, too, in the past is you set up no single point of failures, where you have data in multiple places. You had data on Instagram, you had data on Facebook, which is kind of the same thing now. But you also, we do things to Twitch. We do things to YouTube. So Facebook and YouTube take us down. We still have Twitch to go to. No, literally, I can send out an email. We need another alternative we can do that. Yeah, you know? I send out an email to everybody and go, hey, we're on yeah. we're on Twitch today. We're on this or that. And maybe the, the problem, you can still serve your audience. It's just that there are six people right now watching on Twitch. But when we stream to our pages and our YouTube with all the likes, I mean, there's 50, 60 people watching at any given time. So, And a lot we of those also, people have never heard of us before. Yeah. Well, we also had somebody in Twitch just give out five gift subs, which is amazing. So, I mean, it's income there. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Yep. Yep. Uh, but but the, yeah, it's, it's, it's making sure you don't keep things in, in, so you don't want to put yourself in a position. So if any company that you do business with, and you're going to have to do business with these people, but any company you do business with, if they were just to turn you off, do you have a plan? And we call that, I mean, we do disaster recovery planning all the time in, in IT. So, we kind of have this mindset, no single point of failure. Uh, what are you doing a disaster? That sort of thing. People are going to have to start doing that with their data or it's going to go. I have a hard drive that I let get too hot. It crashed. I sent it off to on track to try and get fixed. They said they couldn't fix it. So now I've lost a couple years of photos that are, were, were on there and some documents that I had in a, in a VM. Um, it's just the way it is. I deal. I didn't have it backed up appropriately. I missed out and, um, you know, you, you can't let that happen. You, you've got to keep on yourself to make sure that you're covering your own bases. Okay. So what does this look like for the average person? What is the application? So when you're talking about federated code and multiple points of failure and how, how does this all how does the regular person start to implement some of this stuff? Like I, I'm, you know, I talk to most of my friends on Facebook. I store most of my files on Dropbox. You know, I use a lot of, you know, I, I work with Akamai and some of these bigger companies all the time. Um, we back things up to hard drives, but like what, what if you're just like a non-technical person out there listening to this, what are some of the applications, the practical tips that you can give to people that can start to get them to move away from closed source and to open source like where do you look how do you implement this what what websites should i go visit like give us some practical applications here give us just the t- the tips harry i'm just trying to like get trying to move it all right, anyway. all right i will say this all right so let me get into hosting options there real quick let me scrape the hosting options because certain things um let, let, let me pause you right company, there. Right? Do, do you have something in your mind that, like, 
Are you, do you have like a framework in your mind where of where you want to go, or, and that's why you're like frustrated, or what? What? I'm I'm just letting you talk. No, it's, it, well, the thing is, like the it's not. Um, there's just several different things, and it's like I could just, I, honestly I could pick something right now and just show you everyone go to the. But one thing I enjoy have been using is this one program. It's called Matters Most. If you want to give me out a company or a site, Matters Most. Matters Most is a uh, built just like Slack. That's a cool dev platform, very highly secure. It can work online and offline. It's really neat. It, they can host it for you. You can host it yourself. You can have it at both different locations, and it can also like be simultaneous. So if you don't have hosting space at your house, you can host it on their server, and you can back it up to your local server or look somewhere else. It is a neat piece of kit because it gives you these hosting options. It's also an open source code, so you can spin it up, run it yourself, edit the code if you want. And that is the type of alternative you're wanting to look at, that you have multiple hosting options and to have disaster recovery to have it at different places. So if it's sitting up AWS and AWS snaps you off, so what? You've been syncing and backing up to a different location the entire time, and you continue to go. You know, it's it's those type of hosting options. Like, and I'm not saying matters most is like this is the end all be all tool because there's several others like Keybase.io. Yes, Zoom bought them, but the underlying stuff that Keybase have been doing that's open source that's still there, and they've been updating still. It's a great, also great piece of kit. It allows people to communicate with each other and encrypt locally, so that and it's on your client side. So before you even get on the network or for anything. You've encrypted your message and sent it off to your group, and they don't decrypt it until it gets to their machine. So in transit, it's encrypted. So if anyone pulls that out or tries to look at what you're talking about, they can't tell until it gets to your machine. Um, everything else, most of the things you send through the network, it's unencrypted. You can pull it. If I pull this thing out of the network, I can I can read that packet. Um, I can throw up Wireshark right now, and if you send an email through my network, I can just read your freaking email. It's how the so, tech, so how I guess maybe the, the application is that when you have need for a certain type of software, let's say I run a business and I need a, a Salesforce type thing, look for look for Google. Oh, excuse me, Dogpile or what do we use now? Uh, a, you can use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. We DuckDuckGo. Um, we DuckDuckGo open source sales for force alternative or if we need a, a chat for our podcast we we google open source alternative to facebook messenger is that a good way to kind of and then start slowly over the course of months weeks years whatever stair-stepping your way out of these closed source big tech products by replacing them one by one would that be a good strategy or is there like a directory that you can go to of all these different programs and you can find like, you know, a Yahoo directory of open source? Uh, there is the freedom of the, uh, the, the what is it? The soft, uh, the free software software foundation has stuff like that. Uh, also like, like new stuff like that. will have that, but yes, searching, getting your search engine of choice and searching of that. I think the first thing you should probably do, whatever search engine you're using is find all, alternative search engines just do that get an alternate search engine and get an alternate um like web browser also like so if you're using chrome or edge or something like that get off that i'm still using firefox i want to get off firefox i need to find another alternative and i haven't found anything i liked so i keep defaulting how how do you how do you determine what you like or don't like what are you looking for that makes you like it or not like it 
well, I'm looking for an open source web browser. I want, um, I also want like a nice secure web browser that gets updates. It has to get updates. Uh, I don't want some browser that doesn't get a whole lot of why security is that important? Updates. Security. This is why like IoT devices scare the crap out of me and every person in IT is because they don't get updates constantly. Because if that's just, like, an Internet of Things, which is like your smart it, fridge. Internet of targets, their targets on the network. Because just like what Reinhold said about that little small blip that was in the Linux code, if you have an IoT device that's running some Linux that doesn't get updated because they don't update the Linux kernel when you press update, or that startup that built that thing is gone, so no one's pushing updates on it, but it still technically works in the background, that thing's vulnerable, and it's on your freaking network, and it's talked to the Internet. Good job. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, making the Internet unsecurable. Uh, yeah, I did not like the uh, someone also posted in the Twitch chat about the Brave browser. I did not like the Brave browser. It was kind of sluggish and it was not. I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but like on my computer, it did not. No. So when you're evaluating this stuff, you're you're looking for usability. You're looking for security. You're looking for you know open source code. You're looking for and, and like. Hey, if you are are using a phone and you don't ever update your software and you don't ever update your operating system and you don't ever update your apps, you need to do that. Correct. Uh, <laughs> and so that's why you want to update your, you know, uh, yeah. Apple doesn't have like a like Windows you've got to do updates um to to the security stuff, the Windows Defender or whatever, but um yeah so so what what when you're evaluating a software what else are you looking for <laughs> what else are I you looking for you, i can tell you one thing he's looking for and that's privacy yes privacy yes i i demand i want my privacy back i want it i don't want to share all my cookies i want it isolated i don't want it going there trying to find every fingerprint that my computer has stop trying to find it and use it to sell me ads i don't want it you know i'll look at ads but no, because the fingerprint tracks me everywhere I go, and I despise it. I like going to different sites to find out if this thing is like following me. Like, you know what? I'm going to go over this one location, something I haven't looked at before, but I know they will track you and find you. You can sit there and do it. It's you know, if trust me, if, if you don't think things happen, it all right. Get on your web browser right now and put Victoria's Secret in the background. Watch all your ads will change. Oh, I was having a conversation with my wife one day and she's got her phone sitting there. And then the next time I go on to Facebook, what I'm talking about is now giving me ads, it's giving me ads for those things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did they know? I'm like, they're listening. I mean, they, they have that stuff going on your phone. They hear what you're doing and they put it into transcribing and, the, and then they're not, there's not somebody looking at it, but it goes to AI. AI pulls that stuff out and it starts sending you ads for it because that's how they can target ads for you so you can get better click-through so they can make more money. Correct. Yeah. You're the product. Right. With you're open source, you're not the product. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is donate to these open source projects too. Just because it's free, you got it. You've got that free beer. You're I awesome. hereby declare us open source. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and uh, donate to your open source products. You know, like if you're using Linux, if you've used Linux for years, and like kick them five bucks at the very least, because Windows would have cost you 200 bucks, right? <laughs> Please give them five. Buy someone a coffee, you know, buy someone who just sent you that security update, date, you know, to, uh, especially at work, work at jobs. I think like um, 
I'm on, I've been looking for a new space and that has been one of my requirements. Like, Oh, you guys use Linux servers. How much you guys donate to like a, a open source projects that, that you are using? Like, cause you're using Ubuntu, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much do you donate to Ubuntu? You know, you just use it. <laughs> right. It's- no, I think, I think the, the future, um, as we move into the internet age, as opposed to the industrial revolution in the internet age, you're going to have to pay little $5 dinks and dunks for for services like you you wouldn't have someone deliver your pizza and not tip them you know and so an open source product a podcaster a writer a journalist a you know a hulu uh whatever like it's not free the content that you consume it costs you money to listen to free radio it costs you money to hear a podcast and so it costs money to use a free piece of software like a gimp or an ubuntu uh, and so, you, you know, resolve. I just got you, you got to Yeah, you got a tip. You got to You're going to have to help pay you. If you get value from something, you should give value back, you know, and, and just carve out a little bit of your budget every month to give to people that bring value to your life that are not asking you directly to pay for it. You know, like I'm not asking to use this piece of software, but I know that it's costing them something to do this, to develop it, to host it, to market it. And so I want to help offset the cost. I just think, you know, we need to live in a gratitude society more and more where we are grateful for people who are serving us and we need to tip them. I think you're totally right on that. Yep. Yep. It, it, so this it, is where this is where Chris becomes a socialist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Communism. We got it. Yeah. No man, it's it's voluntary exchange. If you get something and you find value in it, you got to give back. You don't. I'm not forcing. I'm not forcing you to pay to the Patreon. About one percent of our listeners donate to the Patreon, but I'm sure that that other ninety nine percent they get a they get some value. Otherwise, they wouldn't listen every week. There's thousands of people that listen every week, and they get value out of it. We love you all. We love we love you, even if you don't ever donate. We just appreciate you listening and getting some value. We we like that you like our work, you know, and we ask that if you get value out of that, you plug us to your friends and maybe consider donating on Patreon. And I think or, open or source is the, the one same thing way. That we really, the one thing we really need more than money is you telling us how much you love us. So yes. more more of that. Send us send us all of that so that we can feel good about ourselves. But also once. money. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I, I do this so I can buy books. Yeah, okay, the money. Uh, but anyways, no. I mean, the thing is, you know, you're so right. Like, if a Linux is not free, you, you gotta you gotta offset those costs. Yep, yep. There's some schmuck in Wyoming that keeps patching something. You know, come on, buy him coffee. All right, we are you know. getting to the end of right. the bandwidth of my executive producer, so I, maybe we need to finish talking about this next week, but let's start kind of wrapping it, bringing it home, uh, and we can talk about what we want to maybe talk about next week, dedicate a portion of the show to to continuing this conversation and, and explaining an open internet to folks. But give us some closing thoughts, Harry and Reinhold. All right, my closing thought with all of this is the social networking alternatives that a lot of people go to run to. Like, um, um, I like to do like Frindica, Mastodon, and GNU Social. Right? A lot of this stuff is built off the ideas from GNU Social. Um, but you also have to ask yourself as you run into the, all these social networking sites of how do you use it? Why do you use it? And do you even want to be on a social network anymore? You know, do we actually need this thing or or you're just looking for a way to, to you just or do you just yearn back for the 90s 
chat room days to be able to go back on the chat rooms because the old IRC, a lot of those IRC chat rooms are still there and you can spin them up. You know, I am looking for the, a lot of the friendship that I missed off the BBS days. I'm looking more for that than I am for like a massive open, um, social networking. So like for all Frenica and Mastodon are really neat. It's not what I want. <laughs> so like, it's probably it's, not what's best. Right. So, correct. Yeah. so, uh, if, if you're done with what you were saying, yeah, yeah, you I don't want to cut you off. Oh, you're fine. Right. Um, but I think that's one thing I like about Discord. Discord is actually built off of IRC, if I believe. Mm-hmm. And I, you have communities on. So I have my Discord open right now. I am a member of 35 servers, right? So I get all these communications from all these different communities, but they're all based on something. Right. So one community is based off this streamer that I like. One community is based off of uh, a group of people that I know that we like a certain thing. You know, it, I got one for the old Wildstar game where they're trying to bring it back. So people are in there coding and trying to do the things to, to recreate that game. Um, the great thing about that is, is that if a community is tied around something, that community is going to not devolve or, go off on to the further reaches. You know, you're not going to see that fractionalization within a community because different pe- different types of people with different beliefs are going to be there, but they're going to be talking about something that, that ties them together. Right. So there's not going to be that, those problems that you see with like a Facebook where everybody is talking to everybody and, and getting fed this information and there's nothing really tying anybody to anything, right? Mm-hmm. You can get into groups on Facebook and you can just stay in the groups and everything's fine. But that's not really how Facebook works. That's not the way social media works, right? It's the way we, it's not the way Twitter works. Um, Discord doesn't work that way. Discord is based around those communities and I can still see all those different servers all at the same time. I can jump back and forth between all of them and have communications with all those different communities, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not into, I'm going into going there instead of having it thrown in my face. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the change is going to have to come is that I want us all to be able to be tied together and I don't want us to be completely isolated, but I also think communities have to have an anchor to focus that and you don't have to be a member of just one. You can be a member of multiples and that's how you mm-hmm space that information out and you become social that way in more of a pod based socialized as opposed to one big room. Right. That everybody yes. kind of just yells at each other in. Yes. Yeah. And cross over to the tribes. It's okay to go between those different things. Just learn to manage your um, notifications though. Maybe want to do that. You know, well, I have a lot of muted servers. My girlfriend so. has her, her Instagram <laughs> on and like her, all the, it's just con- bing, bing. I have notifications off for everything. I, I don't know how people live like that or the people yeah. with the emails with 14,000 unread emails with a red badge. I'm just like, you are a nut. The only thing I don't, I keep notifications really on that bings me is the We're Libertarian Slack channel. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. I'll yeah, I get, see it go off and go bing. Huh. I get notifications for our chat on on Messenger that if I mentioned. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. My name. Oh, I got a notification. Oh, okay. That's it's, it. it's Dale. Never mind. 
You always have that, you know, I love Dale. I'm joking, Dale. I know he's going to listen to this and drive into a, a tree, but I'm joking. Uh, yeah. All right, final thoughts. Did you, Reinhold, do you have final thoughts? That was pretty much my final thoughts, okay. yeah. All right, I've everybody. Got, I've, got, I've got one thing that I want to say okay. before this, before this before episode it. ends. I want to uh, give a public apology to Reinhold. Um, you bastard. I, you didn't publicly, you never publicly apologized to me, and you owe me so many. But continue. My, my PR representative gave you what you needed. Anyways, so well, public apology to Reinhold. Um, it's my fault. Um, uh, I should have witnessed stuff sooner. I like to publicly apologize to Reinhold. We uh, were gaming last weekend, and we forgot that we were gaming and having fun with friends. Uh, we did step up after a while, as we noticed, uh, but I felt that took too long to notice what we were doing to Reinhold. So I will publicly apologize for the entire Discord community. We're sorry. Now, can you add me uh, back to that? that? But it's also partially my fault for just having a bad day and taking it too personally. I don't usually do that. No, 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 no. It's our fault. You're right. The game is with that. Now, what about my public here. apology for removing me from the Duck Hunt channel? Um, you were voted out? No. It's the We Are Libertarians <laughs> channel. I'm the dear leader. How dare you? This is one of the we, greatest we coups in the history of Earth. You removed I me from Duck it. Hunt. It's been two, uh, three years, and I've, I haven't gotten my apology yet. You're going to have to bring that up to the uh, council, and um, they're busy right now. I am the council. <laughs> I think if I remember right, wasn't there a reason why you were uh, removed from that? I was channel? making it more Corruption. fun. I was making it more Corruption. fun. <laughs> Corruption. I was, right. I was, I was, the reason I was removed is that I was hyper inflating everybody's points. <laughs> And so the people who were actively playing, I was adding a thousand a month or a thousand a week or every other day or whatever. I'd be like, I'm the Ben Bernanke of Duck Hunt, and it pissed everybody off. So they removed me. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's I've got to end the Fed right there. Yep. Yeah, I got to take Escalade Plus out of timeout. I, uh, he posted a bad beeb, and I put him in timeout. So I got to take him out. This is why you don't let Harry have power because he's gone mad on the Discord channel. And he keeps begging me to be the primary admin of the Facebook group, so maybe we'll get it back. And I'm hesitant. I'd rather Facebook just take it and never let us have it back than let Harry have a full control over the Facebook pages. Yeah, I mean, it's like Harry's the person I've given my passwords to in case I die. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Chris Spangle Show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have more questions, please send them in. We're going to kind of continue this little conversation over the next few weeks. Um, maybe at the top half, get into some current events. And then in the back half, talk a little bit more about how uh, we can free our own usage of the Internet. Next week, Harry, maybe we talk about how do you get your friends to move over? Because that's been the biggest problem. It's like we can go to all this open source stuff, but the problem is how do I get the audience to go with us? Oh, God, one more thing I got to... yourself, how good is it? Well, yeah. Right, one more thing I got to download, fine. It's like when I started the dis- when I started the Signal channel, because somebody requested it, somebody in the Discord was like, fuck, another one? You guys ask a lot. Like, I'm just super serving the audience, baby. That's what I do, generous and thorough. All right, guys, <laughs> thanks so much for listening to The Chris Spengel Show, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>